Hello and welcome to Postgres FM, a weekly show about all things PostgreSQL. I'm Michael, founder of PG Mustard, and this is my co-host Nikolai, founder of Postgres AI. Hey Nikolai, what are we talking about today? Hi Michael, Happy New Year. Finally it happened. Yeah, absolutely. First episode in 2023, and this is the most boring topic I can imagine. But it was requested, right? And I, and I have something to say about it. So let's talk about transaction idea wraparound prevention, not... Uh, when wraparound occurs, but how to prevent it? Well, we will probably will touch uh, the topic of uh, how to deal if it happened finally. Yeah. So transaction ID wraparound or seed wraparound. Yeah, I'm guilty of choosing this one. Uh, we we had a couple of, I think this is the first topic we've ever had two requests for the same topic. So hopefully there's at least two people out there that don't think well, it's boring. I think it's, it's, in my opinion, this is the most boring topic, but it's also the most, the biggest uh, fear of DBA. And let's, again, let's try to to explain it for backend developers and so on, because actually, oftentimes, the probability of uh, this very bad event to occur depends not only on DBAs, but also on uh, how application is developed, the, basically how fast consumption of uh, real transaction ideas is happening, right? So we should think about it from developer perspective as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess it's worth saying that we really hope that the people listening to this never face this issue in their entire careers, but hopefully we can leave people with a few things to to look at, to monitor, to tune in order to minimize that chance of it ever happening to them. Right. Where should we start? I think it is worth covering a little bit about what this issue is for anybody that's new to it, has never heard about it before, before going into how to avoid it. Do you think that's sensible? Yeah. Well, the best description is a very detailed description, and I can recommend PostgreSQL internals, uh, uh, two, two actually books. One is fully online, another is PDF, fully translated to English uh, from Russian author. One is from Japanese author, another is from Russian author Suzuki and uh, Rogov. And both are quite good explaining this. So usually, this explained as like we have four bytes to uh, represent each transaction ID. And uh, of course, four bytes, it means uh, like half of it is, is uh, roughly two billion full yep. space is slightly more than 4 billion and of course today it's not that much not that many ids right and roughly if you have for example one or two transa- uh, thousand transactions per second it will take roughly one month depending on like how stable your traffic is your workload is it will take uh, roughly one or slightly more months uh, to reach the limit and uh, what happens if you reach the limit we discussed a few times that each tuple so physical raw version has xmin and xmax and and ctid uh, virtual column so so xmin this is like a birth date of tuple it holds transaction id uh, which created this tuple and this also four bytes only and of course, so it should be eight bytes these days. And there is work in progress. Uh, there is a big thread in hackers. Some Postgres variations already implement eight byte or 64 bit transaction IDs. 
But it, of course, it's a big, big redesign because currently all tuple headers they are with padding alignment they are twenty twenty four bits, right? Like three three bytes only. But if you need more, you you need to increase it. So our page is on, also limited. So like it's it's a big redesign and big change of behavior. But of course, we should have eight byte transaction IDs. But what happens if you fill this uh, with four byte only uh, transaction IDs? At some point, you need to start from zero again, basically from one. And uh, well, there are some special transaction IDs, uh, especially until 9.6, but it doesn't matter. So you you're trying you're already overlapping. So over a wraparound happens, and to avoid this, there is a mechanism called freezing, and this is one of uh, main tasks of vacuum and auto vacuum. And auto vacuum d- does freezing all the time. Uh, sometimes it's so-called aggressive freezing. So like. I need it right now. Sometimes it's regular freezing, but uh, what what it does, it does says, okay, this transaction ID is this number, but we think it's in the in, in the past by all means. So even if this number is bigger than the current transaction ID, we know that it's from like previous epoch epoch epoch, right? So it's like definitely from the past, and it's it's achieved uh, by placing additional bit like fr- frozen bit and if all tuples in page are known to be frozen all page is also marked as all frozen and it's uh, there is a visibility map it holds two bits for each page one like all visible and another is all frozen and if page is all frozen it means that everything all tuples in this page are from the past and it's good because uh, next time uh, auto vacuum will process this page it will just keep skip it because it's all from the past nothing changed good so usually uh, these articles have a picture like circle and half of circle is our past half of circle is our future and we are rotating and if we freeze our page, tuple or whole page uh, we just think it's outside of our circle is definitely from the past. So that's actually it in terms of theory, uh, but uh, the problem is that there are several handles, several knobs that DBAs can tune. And uh, usually there is, if we have a huge table, usually this um, aggressive freezing happens quite early at, at 10% of capacity. So 200 million transactions and we already need to freeze it as soon as possible and you can see in pgist activity that auto vacuum is running in transaction id wraparound prevention mode to prevent transaction id wraparound and this is uh, this is quite interesting behavior we will discuss it later but discussing all this boring stuff question to our audience do you have in your monitoring uh, transaction id wraparound prevention graph and alerts and and by by that, do you mean the number of remaining transaction IDs? For example, um, right. Yeah. For example. So we so, should, sometimes uh, uh, under certain circumstances, we will discuss it in a, in a second. Yeah. Before we move on from the theory side of it, I think there's an interesting point about the name here. And I, I've always called it 
I've I've always seen it referenced as transaction ID wraparound, but I think I actually prefer another term I came across, which is transaction ID exhaustion, which I think describes the problem a bit better because it's like we have this finite but ever-changing number of uh, IDs left, and it's by exhausting those that the problem occurs because Postgres will prevent us from wrapping around. It will shut it will stop right. having so that that's really useful f- for my understanding because the 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 failure case here isn't wrap around which would cause things like um basically corruption in various forms now postgres seems it sees that as worse than downtime i assume and what it will instead do is enter eventually enter read only mode and that that's worth right. that's really bad for applications that want to keep sending data, of course. But it's not as bad as the alternative. So, ex- ID exhaustion, transaction ID exhaustion, appeals to me more as a term. Well, yeah, right. I I, I like this term, but uh, wraparound shows that it's uh, like uh, it's rotating, yeah. right? But also in some cases, I saw wraparound word used in uh, positive meaning. For example. We have wraparound because we are starting f- to use the same numbers again. And uh, if you say wraparound happened, it, it is something negative, but maybe positive. So there is uh, some ambiguity here in terms of, in terms of uh, meaning. But yeah, ex- exhausted uh, idea, it's, it's also good to say. But like, I, I forgot to say what, again, uh, you're right, I forgot to say what will happen if we, for example, Tovacuum cannot perform freezing. And obviously, Postgres at some point will say on, only few IDs left to be used. And exactly, it will, it will, it will uh, be, un, uh, it, it, it won't process uh, transactions anymore. And uh, you will need to perform freezing, basically. Uh, and it's, it will take many hours, usually. Like, like it will take a well, lot, maybe days. The question I have on this, actually, I, I think I read that the first warning in the logs is at 10 million IDs left. That seems, considering all of the other defaults in Postgres, that seems like the least conservative one I've ever heard. Yeah. I, I, I guess it, anyway, I'm not, remember. I guess it. Yes, I don't remember this, but I wanted to say there are several blog posts uh, to learn from other people's disasters, for example, from Sentry, also from Mandrill uh, MailChimp's project, which also experienced this a few years ago. And obviously, everyone, this is the biggest fear of, of everyone who uses Postgres. So both, I thought both were excellent blog posts, but I don't think either did a great job yeah. of yeah. explaining how to avoid yeah. going yeah, you know, back to your note about logs. You know why, why I don't know? Because who who reads logs? <laughs> and if if you just if you even read it, you, you should have alerts, and this should be like critical alert. And uh, yeah, but I would suggest it be way before you're down to ten million left. Like it, yeah. But what I, would be a sensible? I like, I would suggest this threshold. I don't remember. I always forget uh, knob names, but default is, as I said, uh, 200 million transactions. So this is like when aggressive freezing happens. And uh, I would suggest doubling it, just taking the current value and having alert when we reached two times of this value. And actually, if you have reliable alerts, I would suggest considering increasing this threshold because 200 
million, like 10% of capacities, I would use at least 20%, 30%, maybe 40% if you, if, you are, if you trust your alerting system and so on. Because, of course, there is a big overhead of, from doing this. Right. But uh, this is usually when we discuss this with our clients. Of course, uh, there are different opinions and it takes time to, to reach consensus because, of course, people feel, feel uh, fierce. Like, okay, this, uh, uh, this default threshold, uh, 10% of capacity, maybe we should not touch it. Well, default was created thinking that maybe you don't have monitoring, right? If you have reliable monitoring, you already can postpone this point when aggressive freezing happens. Why aggressive freezing is bad? Because it will block you. Usually auto vacuum, when it sees that it blocks someone, it stops. Like harakiri, right? So, so like uh, stopping itself. But if it's doing this uh, to prevent transaction ID wrap around, it won't yield and your DDL will fail. So you cannot uh, deploy your changes anymore. And uh, if even if you kill it manually, which is fine actually in some cases, if you need to deploy something as soon as possible, you know, you see that capacity used is only 10%. So it's very far from this uh, uh, limit. Uh, you, you decide to kill it uh, in favor of doing deployment and then it starts immediately. This is the problem. Like it ignores enough time, everything. Like I'm, I'm starting, and I'm, I'm not yielding. I'm starting. That's it. So what you do? You start your deploy and immediately kill your this auto vacuum. And only in this case, your DDL proceeds. But then, if you need more DDLs in, in sequence, it starts again. So it's it's nightmare actually. And unfortunately, there are um, parameters. For, Per table, so you can adjust this threshold per table, but uh, you cannot change them without restart. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, so you need to manually fight it back, like stop. That's why I think like sometimes you need to adjust your threshold and uh, try to avoid uh, times when it happens. Should we cover some of the more basic things? So, I've got some ideas here for things that I've seen people doing that would increase their risks of this happening to them obviously monitoring is a gr monitoring and good alerting is a great remedy here but things like things that might start to get you in trouble um yeah. i've seen people turning off auto vacuum which seems like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know that that's an easy way of starting to get into this kind of trouble well, as I remember, I may be mistaken, but if you turn off auto vacuum, this aggressive freezing will happen anyway. As I remember, I might I may, might be wrong here. I think so, you're right, but yeah. it but but for example, if you then have one of the other mitigating factors, then you haven't had you know. I think the freezing also happens at other points. It has like a min age and a max age. Is that right? So. Uh, you can block auto vacuum from doing freezing if you have, for example, long transaction. And here yeah. I should mention that usually people say we have long transaction and it's bad because over time I achieved some conclusion that uh, long transaction is only like itself. It's only bad in terms of blocking, uh, locking issues. So it blocks others because it holds some lock. But when we talk about auto vacuum behavior, freezing and so on, we should uh, say not long transaction, but instead uh, X-min horizon. It will include all aspects of it. it it's possible to have, uh, by the way, uh, I bet your monitoring doesn't have it properly. So, because somehow people try to invent wheels 
different ways, but this concept, Xmin Horizon, if you have transaction uh, which have assigned XSEED, regular transaction ID, it will hold transac- uh, this Xmin Horizon. Xmin Horizon is the oldest transaction uh, which uh, should be used in this system, so Vacuum cannot remove the tuples which were deleted later than that, that transaction. And if there is ongoing transaction with some number, regular transaction number, not virtual. I will explain virtual in a bit. So in this case, Vacuum cannot delete that two tuples. But not only this. If, for example, you have uh, replication slots and physical replication and uh, standby node also uh, rep- reports transaction ID that needs on that. So hot standby feedback is on. So it reports also transaction ID and also can hold uh, Xmin Horizon. And uh, finally, sometimes, uh, in some cases, as I remember, analyze can hold it. Also, also index creation is holding Xmin Horizon. There was an attempt to improve this, optimize it in Postgres 14. And until Postgres 14.4, it was uh, corrupting indexes, so it was reverted. It, was, it would be very good optimization. Because if, for example, if you have a huge table and you need to build index, of, obviously you will hold Xmin Horizon for long and it will, it will affect auto-vacuum behavior. Usually you need to understand how fast is your transaction ID consumption rate. If you are a developer, you're thinking you design your system, it would be good to understand, for example, per second, per hour, per day, how many transactions we, uh, transaction IDs we will consume. The good thing is that if you're just selecting something, you are not consuming transaction ID. You, there is a concept of virtual transaction ID, and uh, it's it's coming for, like for free. It it won't increase this transaction ID counter. But if, for example, you writing something or you call tickseed current, this is old name of function. It was uh, there is pg current exact ID. I always forget it. I wrote it here. So if you call it, uh, you will either uh, return from your transaction, return uh, ID, re- real transaction ID, which is already assigned, or it will assign a new transaction ID. By the way, this is the way to simulate transaction ID wraparound prevention. You block freezing, opening some transaction, and in another session you start running this TXID current very, very quickly to, to consume a lot of transaction IDs. Right, and um, in this case, if for example, if sometimes I see design when application performs a lot of rollbacks, it's probably a sign that uh, we don't think about our transaction ID consumption rates, and uh, we like are not lean, right? So we like did something, rolled back, and transaction ID lost here, like I mean wasted. And you should be more careful. Maybe rollback should be done less often. So, so normally, uh, like social media-like uh, workload is like 80 or 90 percent reads. They should not increase exceed. In this case, uh, we are moving less faster. And if we hold Xmin Horizon, we can say, okay, we hold it. But during a minute, we will consume this number of exceeds, right? And it's fine. During five minutes, that number of exceeds, it's already not so good. During 10 minutes, it's already quite bad. And uh, monitoring Xmin Horizon, this is a great thing to, 
to start thinking about our behavior. And good news is that if we have smaller tables, meaning partitioning, right, we have more pages uh, which are frozen and touched less often because this is like kind of old data. And in this case, we have several good behaviors of our system. For example, if we create index, it's it's much faster, right? So we don't hold uh, XMIN horizon. And uh, AutoVacuum is much more efficient because it can skip more pages because they are frozen. So what I'm trying to say is by using partitioning, you radically, you can radically decrease chances of transaction year around, which is probably quite like underestimated topic. I know I didn't see articles discussing this, but it's obvious to me. So yeah, don't have large tables. Yeah, I think that's an awesome observation. It also occurred to me that it would help with recovery, reading through a couple of the blog posts, but it hadn't occurred oh, yeah. to me that it would help with prevention, which is really cool. You also, you can also, if you consider a huge table, for example, terabyte, and you cut it to partitions, you can uh, parallelize processing because auto vacuum, one worker can, yeah. can work only with one table, but if it's 10 partitions, already 10 workers can be involved. And I recommend having many workers because... Many, I mean, like, take your number of CPUs and consider having up to, like, 25% of those CPUs as number of workers, because by default, it's only three. It's very conservative, yep. for, not uh, good for modern hardware. Well, and I think this was one of the key causes of the Century one in particular. They said they they still had th the default of three auto vacuum workers uh, so maintenance, yeah. The big idea of this episode, if like uh, many things are discussed, but big, like if if uh, our listeners will try to to get only one thought, it's without help from developers who should implement partitioning to avoid tables roughly like say uh, hundred gigabytes in size. If you exceed hundred gigabytes, partitioning should be there. This. Like without help from developers, DBAs won't be able, like their work will be very tough to prevent transaction idea around, to handle this and so on. Because even if you need to create index on huge table, it's already a lot of headache. So developers, please use partitioning earlier. And by the way, this empiric rule, 100 gigabytes, we discussed it with several people. And for example, Kukushkin also told me like 100 gigabytes partitioning needed. One terabyte, maybe sharding needed already, right? Well, it depends, but uh, operational, operational costs are increasing. So I spent some time thinking, some time I mean months, I, I was thinking, why 100 gigabytes? Why 100 gigabytes? And now I can say, it, of course, it depends on, of, on your system, how fast uh, you consume transaction IDs. But if you think about it, and you can uh, think about this XMIN horizon, and you think can th uh, consider how long it takes to create, for example, index, and during creation of index, you hold XMIN horizon, and you're already understanding. This is like for engineers, for developers, actually, to understand these thresholds. And you understand, okay, to create an index on 100 gigabyte table, it takes this time minutes. During this, we will hold XMIN horizon, and it means that freezing won't be possible and so on. And we can conclude, okay, we can afford only this number of minutes. And this, so I mean, I don't have good math here, but I have sense it's possible to create math here and say, this is acceptable for us. 
like create SLOs, like uh, service level objectives. It's it's okay for us during daytime when we have this number of transactions per second, writing transactions per second. It's okay for us to hold XMIN horizon during this number of minutes. So this dictates how long index creation should be, and this introduces some limit for table size, right? And this is quite interesting because this is already like explainable limit uh, for developers to understand why they should do it. Yeah, it's also a really nice round number uh, that's easily remembered. Well, yes, yes. Well, from this is from a lot of pain and experience. Yeah derived from it but uh, we can observing these numbers understanding how fast our transaction id is spending we can have a good math and say for our system it's like 50 gigs or 200 gigs yeah because we have very good like very very fast disks for example yeah i think you've that's really good point i want to go back to something you mentioned earlier which was around the postgres 14 issue now I'm a bit scared because I thought this might be in Postgres and I'm scared it might be have been reverted. There was some new logic, I believe, put in. One of my, one of my tips was going to be to upgrade to 14 or above, you know, or 14.4 or above. Because I think I saw a feature in there that would now more aggressively prioritize a freezing version of vacuum. Whereas in the past, it, w- it wouldn't necessarily, you'd get a full vacuum. And I'm reading the blog post, a lot of people are running a full version of not vacuum full, completely different thing, but like a, but vacuum. And I think I saw a tweet by Peter Gagan. I actually shared this in my newsletter back in 2021, but he, he, this was before the version 14 release. So around January, February time, he recommended if you are ever in a situation of recovering from Postgres shutting down due to this issue, he recommended running vacuums index cleanup option which just does to turn off up. processing of indexes. Yes, it's possible. Yeah. yeah. Now, we'll speed I up thought, freezing. yeah. Now there was some interesting, I think, is it Rob treat? I think replied to this saying, could auto vacuum do that automatically? And I thought he added something in version 14. I thought Peter might've got something into version I don't 14 remember this. this maybe, or, or maybe I don't know, but if we discuss uh, recovering from this ba- very bad state, I'd recommend rewatching or watching Postgres TV episode with Hanu Crossing from Google Cloud because Hanu explained that single mode is not needed and even more it's it's using single mode to get out of that bad state is even less productive because you don't see details and he developed a recipe how to escape from the bad situation using regular mode. So it's quite good. And the episode is, is called uh, Do You Vacuum Every Day? Yeah. Excellent interview. It was it was a talk, open open. Uh, you had a lot of questions. As usual, yeah. Yeah. Silly questions. There were... <laughs> but the reason I brought this up was I think it's another... I, I kind of always want to bang the upgrade drum. But if you're in a heavily loaded system, there are good features in higher versions of Postgres that have your back on these kinds of things. As more companies and people are hitting these kinds of issues, the developers are listening and they're adding features to try and prevent it, to try and make these things less likely. Well, you say, you say, of course, but I see a lot of big companies that are scared of upgrading their data, you know, still on, on out of support wow. versions of Postgres, like 10, 9.6. If you recommend anyone to upgrade to 14.0 right now, 
It would no. be a mistake, right? But if this uh, and or fourteen point three, but this was a recommendation during during many months after version fourteen released. So it's uh, fears have some basis for, for to 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 happen, right? So so it's it, there are, there are pros and cons, but of course, uh, if you can, uh, you should have a newer version. Always, it's it's obvious, right? Yeah, yeah, but I, I think these are some of the un, these aren't always like shouted about. I, look, I looked in the release notes, and it was quite far down the release notes that this kind of thing came up. But yeah, I agree. I think fourteen was a bit of a blip. Fourteen to fourteen point three. I don't remember issues like that from ten, eleven, twelve. But it was so 13, good optimization. Yeah, for for indexing, reindexing, not holding Xmin Horizon. But uh, without this optimization, we can state partitioning is a must if you have large tables yeah. or will have large tables. You should be prepared for partitioning. Uh, speaking of transaction IDs, I, I mentioned that like there is normal transaction ID or virtual transaction ID, but there is also third type. And I I already said uh, like check your monitoring. Probably you don't have this or that. I bet like like nine ninety percent probability that you don't have. Even if you if you have transaction ID wraparound prevention alert, you don't have multi-exec transaction ID wraparound prevention alert because you, usually people just forget about it and even big monitoring systems forget about it. Of course, chances are lower. That, so multi-exec ID or multi-transaction ID, it's a separate space of transaction IDs. And it's, it's used when multiple sessions are using some lock. Some example is uh, using foreign keys. If you have foreign keys, you are multi-exec user. And it also can uh, be exhausted. So it should be also monitored. monitored. And uh, most monitoring failed to, to remember this and implement it. And trick there is uh, there is a function H that allows you to understand the like difference between true uh, exceeds. But for multi-exact IDs, you need to use um, mxid H or something. This is what I, I usually fail to understand and trying to add multi-exact ID monitoring, at least manual or into some like Grafana, Prometheus or something. I usually forgot to like to remember that the uh, H function is different, so this is tricky. But it should like you should have monitoring of two edges, of two capacity used of two spaces, uh, regular seeds and multi multi seeds. Virtual seeds are are not <laughs> should not be monitoring. They are not uh, they're not uh, a problem at all. So. This is this is actually maybe it in terms of uh, recommendations where to look at, and uh, I think if you are Postgres user, you should think about it. Even if you are not DBA, you should think about it because, as I said, if you are using seeds too fast, you you should optimize for it. You should use uh, regular seeds less often. You should uh, also use partitioning, right? Also, by the way, subtransactions we also increment in my article uh, about yeah. uh, how harmful some transactions in current implementation in Postgres are. This was maybe like uh, I had four items, and this was item number one. The use of subtransactions leads to exceed, regular exceed consumption. So you have nested transactions. Each subtransaction it's plus one to regular exceed. So. It's so Just in the developer's mind, 
Definitely before I read that article, I was thinking a transaction with subtransactions. In my head, it was one transaction. Um, right. And therefore, I would have guessed it would be a single transaction ID. But that can be very wrong, especially in the space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super interesting. In my, in my opinion, in current form, if you want uh, if you want to be prepared for heavy load, you shouldn't use transactions at all, like at all, because uh, dangers are are numerous and not numerous. There are four dangers I list in my article, but they are so painful. So, and one of them is related to multi-exact ideas, well, in foreign case. But good news is that it should be improved. There are, there's work in progress to improve uh, subtransaction behavior. And also, Alexander Korotkov, uh, recently we ha- I had interview with interview, Open Talks on Postgres TV with him, and his project, OrioleDB, uh, is actually solving this already. Uh, so, subtransactions will be much better. And Nice. And also, uh, OrioleDB, as I remember, has uh, uh, 64-bit transaction IDs already. So all we talk, this wraparound problem, gone. It's so at least for a, at least for a few thousand years. Yeah, I, I think our, we, this episode won't make sense in some years, like five years maybe. When I hope so, yeah. that would be success. I think maybe earlier, actually, maybe earlier. Yeah, fingers crossed. Well, I, I I also wanted for developers. I wanted to remind that there are a couple of good extensions to yes. to look into internals, and they are quite easy to use. Uh, first is Page Inspect, and actually there is also uh, if you are a Linux user, you can even h- have Hex Editor to look into pages from Peter Gagan. I don't remember PG Hex Edit or something. It's called. It's like additional visualization uh, for on top of uh, page inspect and also PG Visible, which inspects visibility maps. Uh, and as a reminder, visibility map is it's not only about all visible bit; it's also about all, all frozen bit. So it's useful to inspect and see which pages are marked uh, as all frozen. So so it's good to understand what's happening. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. And remember to tune out to vacuum people. Uh, that's probably even if you're on a smaller database, there's a right, lot of benefits. Right. But uh, cloud vendors do it already a little bit. Yep. Your DBS probably will do it. If you hire some uh, good teams as Postgres AI consulting team, they also will do it. But what they won't do won't do instead of you people is partitioning. Use partitioning, please. Yeah. Partitioning is a must for large systems. Wonderful. Anything else? I think that's it. (laughs) It's already too much, right? It's great. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Nikolai, and see you next week. Yeah, by the way, uh, final words. This was a topic, as we said, from our listeners. Again, thank you so much. Please continue delivering ideas. Uh, that this, this is great to have ideas, and we just choose one of them and discuss. That's great. Thank you so much. Or even if you just review the, the list of ideas there already and let us know which ones of those you're most Absolute, interested in. right. Yeah, exactly. That would, <laughs> right, right. That would be great. Okay, that's it. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.